0: Chapter Twenty Five of A Distinguished Provincial at Paris by Honoré de Balzac, translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peery. Chapter Twenty Five. The diplomatist and the two women had very soon discovered Lucien's weak side. The poet's head was turned by the glory of the aristocracy. Every man who entered the rooms bore a sounding name mounted in a glittering title and he himself was plain chardon unspeakable mortification filled him at the sound of it wherever he had been during the last few days that pang had been constantly present with him he felt moreover a sensation quite as unpleasant when he went back to his desk after an evening spent in the great world in which he had made a tolerable figure thanks to coralie's carriage and coralie's servants he learned to ride in order to escort madame d'espard Mademoiselle des touches and the comtesse de montcornet when they drove in the bois a privilege which he had envied other young men so greatly when he first came to paris finot was delighted to give his right-hand man an order for the opera so lucien wasted many an evening there and thenceforward he was among the exquisites of the day the poet asked rastignac and his new associates to a breakfast and made the blunder of giving it in coralie's rooms in the rue de vendome he was too young too much of a poet too self-confident to discern certain shades and distinctions in conduct and how should an actress a good-hearted but uneducated girl teach him life his guests were anything but charitably disposed towards him it was clearly proven to their minds that lucien the critic and the actress were in collusion for their mutual interests and all of the young men were jealous of an arrangement which all of them stigmatized the most pitiless of those who laughed that evening at lucien's expense was rastignac himself rastignac had made and held his position by very similar means but so careful had he been of appearances that he could afford to treat scandal as slander lucien proved an apt pupil at whist play became a passion with him and so far from disapproving coralie encouraged his extravagance with the peculiar short-sightedness of an all-absorbing love which sees nothing beyond the moment and is ready to sacrifice anything even the future to the present enjoyment coralie looked on cards as a safeguard against rivals a great love has much in common with childhood a child's heedless careless spendthrift ways a child's laughter and tears in those days there lived and flourished a set of young men some of them rich some poor and all of them idle called free livers vivers, and indeed they lived with incredible insolence unabashed and unproductive consumers and yet more intrepid drinkers these spendthrifts mingled the roughest practical jokes with a life not so much reckless as suicidal they drew back from no impossibility and gloried in pranks which nevertheless were confined within certain limits and as they showed the most original wit in their escapades it was impossible not to pardon them no sign of the times more plainly discovered the helotism to which the restoration had condemned the young manhood of the epoch the younger men being at a loss to know what to do with themselves were compelled to find other outlets for their superabundant energy besides journalism or conspiracy or art or letters they squandered their strength in the wildest excesses such sap and luxuriant power was there in young france the hard workers among these gilded youths wanted power and pleasure the artists wished for money the idle sought to stimulate their appetites or wished for excitement one and all of them wanted a place and one and all were shut out from politics and public life nearly all the free-livers were men of unusual mental powers some held out against the enervating life others were ruined by it the most celebrated and the cleverest among them was eugene rastignac who entered with de marsay's help upon a political career in which he has since distinguished himself the practical jokes in which the set indulged became so famous that not a few vaudevilles have been founded upon them blondet introduced lucien to this society of prodigals of which he became a brilliant ornament ranking next to Bichiou, one of the most mischievous and untiring scoffing wits of his time all through that winter lucien's life was one long fit of intoxication with intervals of easy work he continued his series of sketches of contemporary life and very occasionally made great efforts to write a few pages of serious criticism on which he brought his utmost power of thought to bear but study was the exception not the rule and only undertaken at the bidding of necessity dinners and breakfasts parties of pleasure and play took up most of his time and coralie absorbed all that was left he would not think of the morrow. He saw besides that his so-called friends were leading the same life, earning money easily by writing publishers' prospectuses and articles paid for by speculators. All of them lived beyond their incomes. None of them thought seriously of the future. Lucien had been admitted into the ranks of journalism and of literature on terms of equality he foresaw immense difficulties in the way if he should try to rise above the rest every one was willing to look upon him as an equal no one would have him for a superior unconsciously he gave up the idea of winning fame in literature for it seemed easier to gain success in politics intrigue raises less opposition than talent du chatelet had said one day for lucien and the baron had made up their quarrel a plot below the surface rouses no one's attention intrigue moreover is superior to talent for it makes something out of nothing while for the most part the immense resources of talent only injure a man so lucien never lost sight of his principal idea and though to-morrow following close upon the heels of to-day in the midst of an orgy never found the promised work accomplished lucien was assiduous in society he paid court to madame de bargeton the marquise d'espard and the comtesse de montcornet he never missed a single party given by mademoiselle des touches appearing in society after a dinner given by authors or publishers and leaving the salons for a supper given in consequence of a bet the demands of conversation and the excitement of play absorbed all the ideas and energy left by excess the poet had lost the lucidity of judgment and coolness of head which must be preserved if a man is to see all that is going on around him and never to lose the exquisite tact which the parvenu needs at every moment how should he know how many a time madame de bargeton left him with wounded susceptibilities how often she forgave him or added one more condemnation to the rest chatelet saw that his rival had still a chance left so he became lucien's friend he encouraged the poet in dissipation that wasted his energies rastignac jealous of his fellow-countrymen and thinking besides that chatelet would be a surer and more useful ally than lucien had taken up the baron's cause so some few days after the meeting of the petrarch and laura of angouleme Rastignac brought about the reconciliation between the poet and the elderly beau at a sumptuous supper given at the rocher de cancale lucien never returned home till morning and rose in the middle of the day coralie was always at his side he could not forego a single pleasure sometimes he saw his real position and made good resolutions but they came to nothing in his idle easy life and the mainspring of will grew slack and only responded to the heaviest pressure of necessity coralie had been glad that lucien should amuse himself she had encouraged him in this reckless expenditure, because she thought that the cravings which she fostered would bind her lover to her. But, tender-hearted and loving as she was, she found courage to advise Lucien not to forget his work, and once or twice was obliged to remind him that he had earned very little during the month. Their debts were growing frightfully fast, the fifteen hundred francs which remained from the purchase-money of the marguerite had been swallowed up at once together with lucien's first five hundred livres in three months he had only made a thousand francs yet he felt as though he had been working tremendously hard but by this time lucien had adopted the free-liver's pleasant theory of debts debts are becoming to a young man but after the age of five-and-twenty they are inexcusable it should be observed that there are certain natures in which a really poetic temper is united with a weakened will and these while absorbed in feeling that they may transmute personal experience sensation or impression into some permanent form are essentially deficient in the moral sense which should accompany all observation poets prefer rather to receive their own impressions than to enter into the souls of others to study the mechanism of their feelings and thoughts so lucien neither asked his associates what became of those who disappeared from among them nor looked into the futures of his so-called friends some of them were heirs to property others had definite expectations Yet others either possessed names that were known in the world, or a most robust belief in their destiny, and a fixed resolution to circumvent the law. Lucien, too, believed in his future, on the strength of various profound axiomatic sayings of Blondet's. Everything comes out right at last. If a man has nothing, his affairs cannot be embarrassed. We have nothing to lose but the fortune that we seek swim with the stream it will take you somewhere a clever man with a footing in society can make a fortune whenever he pleases that winter filled as it was with so many pleasures and dissipations was a necessary interval employed in finding capital for the new royalist paper theodore gaillard and hector merlin only brought out the first number of the Reve in march eighteen twenty two the affair had been settled at Madame de Valnoble's house. Madame de Valnoble exercised a certain influence over the great personages, royalist writers, and bankers who met in her splendid rooms, fit for a tale out of the Arabian Nights, as the elegant and clever courtesan herself used to say to transact business which could not be arranged elsewhere. The editorship had been promised to Hector Merlin Lucien Merlin's intimate was pretty certain to be his right-hand man and a feuilleton in a ministerial paper had been promised to him besides all through the dissipations of that winter lucien had been secretly making ready for this change of front child as he was he fancied that he was a deep politician because he concealed the preparation for the approaching transformation scene while he was counting upon ministerial largesses to extricate himself from embarrassment and to lighten coralie's secret cares coralie said nothing of her distress she smiled now as always but berenice was bolder she kept lucien informed of their difficulties and the budding great man moved after the fashion of poets by the tale of disasters would vow that he would begin to work in earnest and then forget his resolution and drown his fleeting cares in excess one day coralie saw the poetic brow overcast and scolded berenice and told her lover that everything would be settled madame d'espard and madame de bargeton were waiting for lucien's profession of his new creed so they said before applying through chatelet for the patent which should permit lucien to bear the so much desired name lucien had proposed to dedicate the marguerite to madame d'espard and the marquise seemed to be not a little flattered by a compliment which authors have been somewhat chary of paying since they became a power in the land but when lucien went to dauriat and asked after his book that worthy publisher met him with excellent reasons for the delay in its appearance dauriat had this and that in hand which took up all his time a new volume by canalis was coming out and he did not want the two books to clash monsieur de lamartine's second series of meditations was in the press and two important collections of poetry ought not to appear together by this time however lucien's needs were so pressing that he had recourse to finot and received an advance on his work when at a supper-party that evening the poet-journalist explained his position to his friends in the fast set they drowned his scruples in champagne iced with pleasantries. Debts! There was never yet a man of any power without debts. Debts represented satisfied cravings, clamorous vices. A man only succeeds under the pressure of the iron hand of necessity. Debts, forsooth! Why, the one pledge of which a great man can be sure is given him by his friend, the pawnbroker, cried Blondet if you want everything you must owe for everything called bixiou no corrected des lupaux if you owe for everything you have had everything the party contrived to convince the novice that his debts were a golden spur to urge on the horses of the chariot of his fortunes there is always the stock example of julius caesar with his debt of forty millions and friedrich the second on an allowance of one ducat a month and a host of other great men whose failings are held up for the corruption of youth while not a word is said of their wide-reaching ideas their courage equal to all odds creditors seized coralie's horses carriage and furniture at last for an amount of four thousand francs lucien went to lousteau and asked his friend to meet his bill for the thousand francs lent to pay gaming debts but lousteau showed him certain pieces of stamped paper which proved that florine was in much the same case lousteau was grateful however and offered to take the necessary steps for the sale of lucien's archer of charles the ninth how came florine to be in this plight asked lucien the matifin took alarm said lousteau we have lost him but if florine chooses she can make him pay dear for his treachery and i will tell you all about it three days after this bootless errand lucien and coralie were breakfasting in melancholy spirits beside the fire in their pretty bedroom berenice had cooked a dish of eggs for them over the grate for the cook had gone and the coachman and servants had taken leave they could not sell the furniture for it had been attached there was not a single object of any value in the house a goodly collection of pawn tickets forming a very instructive octavo volume represented all the gold silver and jewelry berenice had kept back a couple of spoons and forks that was all lousteau's newspaper was of service now to coralie and lucien little as they suspected it for the tailor dressmaker and milliner were afraid to meddle with a journalist who was quite capable of writing down their establishments etienne lousteau broke in upon their breakfast with a shout of hurrah long live the archer of charles the ninth and i have converted a hundred francs worth of books into cash children we will go halves. He handed 50 francs to Coralie and sent Berenice out in quest of a more substantial breakfast. Hector Merlin and I went to a bookseller's trade dinner yesterday and prepared the way for your romance with cunning insinuations. Doria is in treaty, but Doria is haggling over it. He won't give more than 4,000 francs for 2,000 copies, and you want 6,000 francs we made you out twice as great as sir walter scott oh you have such novels as never were in the inwards of you it is not a mere book for sale it is a big business you are not simply the writer of one more or less ingenious novel you are going to write a whole series the word series did it so mind you don't forget that you have a great historical series on hand la grande mademoiselle or the france of louis xiv cotillon I first or the early days of louis xv the queen and the cardinal or paris and the fronde the son of the concini or richelieu's intrigue these novels will be announced on the wrapper of the book we call this manoeuvre giving a success a toss in the coverlet for the titles are all to appear on the cover till you will be better known for the books that you have not written than for the work you have done and in the press is a way of gaining credit in advance for work that you will do come now let us have a little fun here comes the champagne you can understand lucien that our men opened eyes as big as saucers by the bye i see that you have saucers still left they are attached explained coralie i understand and i resume show a publisher one manuscript volume and he will believe in all the rest a publisher asks to see your manuscript and gives you to understand that he is going to read it why disturb his harmless vanity they never read a manuscript they would not publish so many if they did well hector and i allowed it to leak out that you might consider an offer of five thousand francs for three thousand copies in two editions let me have your archer the day after to-morrow we are to breakfast with the publishers and we will get the upper hand of them who are they asked lucien two partners named fondant and cavalier they are two good fellows pretty straightforward in business one of them used to be with vidal and Porchon. the other is the cleverest hand on the quai des augustins they only started in business last year and have lost a little on translations of english novels so now my gentlemen have a mind to exploit the native product there is a rumour current that those dealers in spoiled white paper are trading on other people's capital but i don't think it matters very much to you who finds the money so long as you are paid. End of chapter 25